This is Maureen Kafkis, the Brain BS Coach, here to tell you about the episode today. In this episode, I speak with Coach Ashley Jangro, whose daughter was hospitalized years ago because of suicidal ideation. She was, Ashley, was overwhelmed, didn't know how to help her daughter, was pretty much panic-stricken, and was able to get out of that place into a place of calm and being in charge and helping her daughter get what she needs, all because of the power of coaching. So sit back, let's listen. Episode number 98 of the Brain BS Podcast, Ashley's Story. Welcome to the Brain BS Podcast, the podcast where thought work, emotional intelligence, and universal law come together to empower humans to cut the crap and finally master their brain BS. It is time to stop blaming everybody else for your problems and start taking responsibility for your own life and emotional state. I am your host, Maureen Kafkis, a doctor of occupational therapy, a certified life coach, and an expert on brain BS. My mission is to motivate you to learn how to live consciously and manage your mind on purpose so you can create a life free of needless suffering. Now, who does not want that? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Brain BS Podcast. I'm here today with Ashley, a fellow coach. Ashley, why don't you introduce yourself and let people um, know what you want them to know about you? All right. Hi, I'm Ashley Jangro. Um, I'm here today talking about the um, just some stuff that uh, Maureen offered in one of our Facebook groups. So I'm really excited to have a conversation with her. So for the purposes of today, I'm going to be talking about how I coach teens. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me here today. You're welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Okay. So before we get started about what you're coaching on and what inspired your coaching business, I want to know if you can think of something that you once thought was factual about yourself Mm -hmm. that you've now come to realize was brain BS and you realized it through coaching. Oh my gosh. I love this question so much because it has to do with part of my story. So I think what I thought was factual was that my perceptions were true. So I always say now that my, when I have an initial thought, it's one of an infinite number of possible thoughts I could have about a situation, but I really believed like, I'm so intuitive. I know other people's motivations. I know what they're thinking. And now I know, no, that's my own brain BS, as you would say, telling me, you know, I've created that reality. So that feels true to me, but that does not necessarily mean it's true. Oh, I love that because you, you could be me because I was the same way. Yeah. And I do think, but it sounds so positive when we put it like right. well, my intuition, I'm, I'm very I intuitive and stuff, but yeah, no, I love that because it is because we have 60,000 thoughts a day and the majority mm-hmm. of them aren't true mm-hmm. and they're just and in, projections of our own mind. Right. And until we're challenging what that filter is that we're, we're seeing things through, we don't know what our brain is filtering out or focusing on. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, well, why don't we get started with you telling your story and about what inspired you to come on the podcast today and what inspired your coaching business? Sure. Do you want to share what you shared in the Facebook group? Why I reached out or, well, we are, so we already, we've talked about, um, suicide prevention awareness. I do a episode on that at the beginning. So this is the second episode in a series. So people already have the background that we're here because of 
suicide prevention and mental health issues. Wonderful. Okay. So, um, several years ago, I used to be a teacher. I taught at my children's elementary school. Um, I had just come back from many years in internet marketing and I went back to teaching. So I was teaching at my children's elementary school and, um, I got a phone call at one point from my daughter's counselor. She was 11 at the time. So very young. Um, I was downstairs teaching at the school and she said, you know, I need you to come up here. Um, I have your daughter here. We've been having a conversation and I just need you to come in here. And she shared with me that my daughter had been having thoughts of killing herself. And it was a huge shock to me. She was very young. I knew that, you know, she was kind of a, a deep thinking, kind of a melancholy child. And, um, but I was shocked. Like she didn't even have the vocabulary to say what she was thinking about. Um, but she knew that she was having these really intrusive thoughts and that she was scared. She was scared. She was going to do something to hurt herself. Um, and you know, we talked for a while, she came and crawled up on my lap and we, we sat and talked with the counselor for a while and the counselor let me know, you need, you need to take her to the doctor. And we went to the doctor who had me take her to the hospital and, um, she ended up being hospitalized for a while. Um, and it was incredibly hard. It was over her 12th birthday. So it was an incredibly difficult situation for myself and for my family. And she's got a younger sister that's 15 months younger, who was extremely confused. And then a younger sister that's uh, five years younger, who didn't understand why her sister was gone. So it was a rough time. Um, and through that, I, during those months after that happened, I tried so hard to get her the help that she needed. And I just couldn't like there was for all the adolescent therapists in the area, there was six month wait lists. And the, like, I finally found one program that might be really good for her as she was, you know, being released from the hospital, but it was all 18 year olds in there. So they said the subject matter is probably going to be a little intense for her. So I just felt like I was like hitting my head against a brick wall, trying to get her help. And at that point I decided I, I could see all this need, all this mental health need at our school and in our community. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to get my master's in counseling. Um, my thought was I'll learn a lot of these skills and these strategies and these techniques. I'll understand it differently and I'll be able to provide help to her as well as become a counselor later. And I was, you know, I went through two years of the program and nothing I was learning was really helpful for her. I mean, we worked really hard together to, um, overcome some of her struggles. She was struggling with self-harm and intrusive thoughts of suicide. And I, I kind of had reached the point where I thought this is just our lives. This is just what our teenage, her teenage years are going to be like. And, and here we are, you know, she was at that point, um, she had started seeing a therapist, but then her therapist left the practice and then she started seeing another one and they didn't click. And, so we went through therapist after therapist and she was on medication, but she really saw herself as someone who was depressed, would always be depressed. And that was just her identity. And she was just going to have to live that way. Fast forward a little while. I was almost done with my counseling program. I think I still have six credits left, but I still had my internship left to do. And the pandemic shut that down. And right then I discovered life coaching. In fact, I had discovered it during one of my other classes. I had used a couple of life coaches as um, references in some of my papers. And so I was kind of new to this whole idea. And wait, I started, wait, I just have to interrupt there because yeah, this go is ahead. a parallel for me when I was in my doctorate program and I was going to start uh -huh. an elder care consulting business and the pandemic hit, I was looking at coaching because mm -hmm. OT's coach 
And some people think of occupational therapists as the original life coach because we look at mm. patterns, habits, routines, cognition, mm-hmm. emotions, and all that. So it's so interesting that your idea of coaching was planted in your head during school, and so was mine. It's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And it presented, yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I was hearing about it. I mean, I'd heard of the term life coach before. But I wrote about it. Um, I had listened to a couple of the stop over over drinking coaches and I used it. I wrote papers about that as an alternative to AA. So it was just really interesting to me. Um, So I jumped right in. I got certified as a life coach without knowing a ton about it. And it I am not even joking when I say completely changed my life. Like I started I had been through the training for cognitive behavioral therapy, which is very similar but I had never used it on myself. I always thought of it as a manner to help clients or to, you know, to help patients when oh, I was a counselor. Yeah, You didn't think about even needing it yourself. Right. So when the idea was presented to me, like I'm my first client, I can self coach. It shifted everything because I had a new visceral understanding of the concepts. I, I felt them in my body. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because it's one thing to try to do them for someone else and not really know what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. When you experience them, it's an embodiment. Right. If you embody them, then you can help other people in a way that is totally. Because you, it's like you understand the resistance that you'll experience. And that's what I had tried with my daughter for the previous two or three years was reading about something and, you know, trying to help her apply it. But once it was introduced to me that I was my first, I was, you know, my best client and that um, I could apply all of these things with, with self-coaching, that's when I realized my thoughts aren't real. My thoughts aren't fact. They're one of an infinite number of possible perceptions I could have. And it just, it shifted everything. Like my life changed pretty rapidly and the way I showed up as a mom changed very rapidly. And the way I helped my daughter address her issues changed very quickly. And she began to change. She began to challenge, not because I was trying to teach her or coach her even, but just because of the way I spoke. In your Uh, energy. Right. And yeah, yeah. And the way she would see me, you know, when, when you find out that your child is struggling with suicidal ideation, it's, there's a lot of emotion involved. And to me at the time, my thoughts around it were real. And so those emotions were emergencies. I felt guilt and I felt, um, fear and, and anger. Like this isn't the life I wanted. And and sometimes I just felt annoyed. Like your life's amazing. Why would you have these thoughts as if she had some amount of control over it and, you know, knew that with at, at her age, but that's I was like dealing- clean pain versus dirty pain, right? Mm-hmm. Like the clean pain was, of course, you it would be painful that your daughter is having the suicidal ideations. Mm-hmm. But then the dirty pain comes in with all the judgments mm-hmm. and it's all, and fault. there's so many of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably too, you felt responsible, even though well, you are to a degree as her mom, mm-hmm. but she's also on her own journey in life, even right. when she's little. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay, so um, so. How old was she when you found the coaching? Um, she would have been 14. Okay. So then how, how was she, how did she get, did she make it through um, school? Yes. Was she able to graduate? And yeah, she, well, she was, so she's, she's, um, she was in high school. She had, well, 
at home <laughs> because it was during the pandemic. Oh, that's right. Right. So she was doing yeah. school at home, but um, it, that might have been a blessing for her. It. I actually think it was because she's you know very introverted, and it it gave her that it, it helped her through that time of where she wasn't trying to compare herself to all the other people. But I guess this change shifted. This shift began before they came home for the pandemic. No, that's not true. It was during it. But Wait, I have total um, goosebumps because so many people thought the pandemic was a terrible time. Mm -hmm. I got certified during the pandemic. So it was one of the yeah. best times of my life. And I'm thinking of your family. Mm -hmm. Here you find you know, the thought work and the model. Yeah. And then your daughter gets to stay home and she doesn't have to do the compare and despair, mm -hmm. which is overwhelming for someone who doesn't even have any diagnosis at all or any history. But some, yes. <laughs> and then you got to do it together. That's the incredible part. Like we got to, because they were doing school at home, we got to talk a lot. We got to have these conversations a lot. So when there was a struggle, we could step back and say, okay, what are the thoughts here? And, you know, I hear, I hear this talked about a lot, like your kids don't want to hear it over and over. And mine didn't either. But what they did respond to is when I would say, you know, I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety right now. So here's what I did. I found the thought that was creating the anxiety and they would hear me use myself as an example constantly. And so without trying to like force it on them or coach them or teach them, they just got in the, in that pattern. Yeah, because you were you're being a role model and you were showing mm -hmm. them the possibility of how they could handle it. Yeah, being that example. Without making them do it or telling them to. Right. Yeah. And it was really incredible because I would hear them start. I, I mean, I remember conversations hearing my my middle daughter talking to her friends and they would be like, oh, I look so ugly. And she would be like, hey, you know, you need to pay attention to how you're speaking to yourself because you're creating those neural pathways and, and your brain's going to default to that. And I was like, what? Girls growing up, imagine yeah. what, what that can do right in the world. Yes. Girls aren't all thinking that they're not good enough and beating themselves up. Yeah. It's so, it was so incredible. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to backtrack a little bit and think when this huge shift occurred, oh, I know when, when we would talk about, okay. So one of the thoughts that I believed when I say, I believe my perceptions was true was when she shared with me that she's having these thoughts, that it was an emergency and I needed to rapidly take action. And through my own self-coaching, I realized she's going to have these thoughts. Our brains are weird. They offer us weird solutions for pain and it's not an emergency. I can sit with her. And we can write it out together. And one of the, through that, one of my biggest passions to speak about, especially with teens is how to process an emotion. And so I would talk to her about this isn't, it's just like the urge jar. I would talk to her about, you know, this is an urge. It's, it, it's, you have a thought that's creating the emotion, the urge, and we're just going to write it out. And so we would talk about, you know, finding the feeling inside of us. And so she would come to me and say, I'm having these thoughts and it was terrifying. And so I would process my own emotion. And I could, you know, notice this is my model. Here's her model over here. And we would sit and process the emotion together. And that was enormously powerful. Yeah. And you also, by doing that, put her in the observer mm -hmm. of the thought instead of the thought being her, right? Which is a right. lot of Eckhart Tolle. That's what he's all about. You're the observer and you are not your thoughts. And yes. I think it's when you have those crazy thoughts, I mean, cause I've had some crazy thoughts throughout my life before yeah. I learned this stuff. And um, it's very disturbing. 
Yep. The things that can pop up into your head. And it's just like, holy crap, where did that come from? But when you don't believe it at all, and you're just like, okay, I hear you, whatever, Mm -hmm. that's bizarre. It has loses all its power over you when you realize it's not true. Yes. And, and as a mom, I had to quickly like run through that and thank goodness I, I had made that a habit because I had to quickly run through like, okay, this is creating fear. You're thinking this is an emergency and it's not that, that thought's not true either. And so then we could sit and talk about it and examine it and say, okay, what, and this came up a lot with self-harm too. Like, what is your brain offering you that that will resolve? And sometimes it was like, well, I'm in a lot of pain and this will distract me. Or sometimes it was, I'm feeling very numb and I want to feel something. And then we could examine that and and talk about what, you know, what would show up on the R line. And was that something she wanted? I never would have been able to do that before coaching. I would have panicked. I would have called the doctor. I would have put her in a program. I, you know, I, I would have known how to handle it. Yeah. Well, when I, I was an occupational therapist before I got certified as a life coach. And I actually, at the beginning years of being a therapist, I worked in a locked psychiatric unit and Mm -hmm. I worked with children Mm -hmm. and then I worked with teens and then I worked with older adults and, um, senior citizens. And it was, um, it, you know, you do the best that you can, but the Mm -hmm. system is not really set up to Mm-mm. support people in the way they need it just isn't so they would just it would be like a revolving door syndrome yeah. and they would come back in and you see these little kids mm-hmm. and their parents didn't know what to do with them and nobody knew anything about the model or coaching right. or any of that so it really is um to understand how your mind's working and what it's creating for you and understanding how much needless suffering we cause ourselves mm-hmm. by our judgments and our fears and, and emotions. It, um, it does, it changes everything. It's a superpower. It really is a superpower yeah. and it's accessible to everyone, but a lot of people aren't even interested in it. Right. Right. That's true. Even and when think- they hear about it, they're still not. I I think that if there was a way we could like really depict the power behind it. And I mean, I think so much of it is all of us continuing to share our stories and how it changed our lives. But it, I can tell you about six months after I learned, you know, I started doing all of this very consistently. And then she was hearing this six months after that. So when she was about 14 and a half, she came and she said, I don't think I need antidepressants anymore. She you know, I think that it got her over her medication, got her through the most intense of it. And then she was like, I think I have the tools now and I'm ready to try to not be on them. And I was very nervous. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that. Cause mm -hmm. like some people, some people do need to stay on the medication hundred percent. And I just had to trust her. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it was a, it was a really slow process that we went through to, to wean her off of those with her doctor. Um, and through that, I mean, there was all kinds of other stuff that came up. Like she, you know, we realized she had undiagnosed ADHD and some of those intrusive thoughts were a result of that. So then when we started managing the ADHD again, which would have been uncomfortable for me, but I kept, I just kept looking. I mean, I I'm also diagnosed with ADHD, so it wasn't scary like that, but just like, boy, she's going to have to go through all the same things I did, but I was able to watch my brain and watch my brain, what my brain was making it mean and just take everything really slowly and calmly. And she watched that. She watched me. I mean, I used to panic, you know, all the time, but now 
I take a step back and I process the emotion and then I investigate my thoughts. Um, as she watched yeah, being that, able to pause and slow down yeah. really. Cause anytime we're in a huge hurry for anything and we're impatient, mm-hmm. we know it's brain BS in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. So it was really, it was super interesting for me to be like, okay, what am I afraid of? That's, I, I mean, I think I ask that question all the time. What am I making it mean? What am I afraid of? So what it's all the, um, Byron Katie questions that she asked. Oh, I love her. I do too. So, you know, is it true? Am I hundred percent sure that it's true? So I ask myself those constantly all day. Um, and, and my kids would hear that. And I think that it was very helpful for my daughter to understand, you know, the things that she was struggling with were thoughts and I, I would never belittle that. I always validate her emotions. And I'm like, let's take the time to process them before we dig into the thoughts, but their thoughts. And if she wants to, she can choose to see things a different way. Yeah. Yeah. What a powerful thing for a young woman to learn how to do, you know, at this age. Mm -hmm. So she doing well now without the. She's amazing. Oh, that's so She's amazing. She's a junior in high school. She's like super involved in stuff at school. She's very, very happy. I mean, she's still the same person. She's melancholy. She's quiet. She's introverted. She is a very deep thinker and um, can see a lot of difficult things in the world. She's sensitive and she knows how to manage her mind. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. The power of coaching, right? It blows my mind. I think sometimes I, I cannot even tell you how incredibly think, cause I have three girls. Um, the fact that they get to grow up knowing these things that, that their thoughts aren't fact and that emotions are not an emergency. I don't know that I could raise three teenage girls without that. Oh God, please. <laughs> you're reminding me of the past with the girls right. when were younger. It is a challenging time with with teen girls. So mm-hmm. it's, it's good too for, yeah. So it's good when the kids are acting the way they are. And then it's good for your own perception of mm-hmm. the kids. Mm-hmm. When you remember, you know, and a lot of what they're doing is reflecting back to you, what you were like at that age, even right. though you don't realize it. So, wow. but I think you bring up a really good point. And I think this is a really tough thing for people to accept and living consciously is really about accepting reality. And that is that Everything happens for us, Mm -hmm. to us, even when it feels awful and it's scary and it just feels terrible. Look at what happened Mm -hmm. in your situation Mm -hmm. by her being willing to go into that office. That could have just been, it could have gone in such a different direction if you didn't follow your instincts and your intuition Mm -hmm. and keep, you know, and, and, and the life go or the, I'm sorry the life <laughs> appeared not just randomly it was like right. divine intervention and put in front of you and were you gonna accept it or not and here mm-hmm. you just paid to get another counseling program I did the same <laughs> thing I finished my doctorate program and it was like two weeks later and I was signing up and at first I was like oh there's no way there's no way I can do this after I just yeah. spent money on a doctor. And then I thought about it. I went for a walk and I came back and I was like, I just have to. Have to. I, I almost thought of it. I'm like, I just spent that much on this degree. Might as well tack it on. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Yeah. Well, that is just an amazing story. And I think it's wonderful. So I want to know, like with your coaching program, Mm -hmm. um, what kind of a little bit about that? Why don't you share that? And then maybe give some final words of wisdom uh, to the audience about anything that you want to give it about. Great. So originally my thought was, I want to teach this to moms. Moms need to know this, you know, parents. Yes, but I, I am a mom and I know what a mom feels like. So I was speaking to moms and, um, I didn't get a lot of response for that. I got a lot of requests to coach teens. So not too long ago, um, you know, I've had a couple shifts in, in my business, but I just went back to coaching teens. Um, specifically I do some other things too, but I'm working with teens. I love teenagers. I don't know what it is. Like I'm just amazed by them. Um, teens and young adults. And so I work with teens. I, um, there's a couple different ways. A lot of parents come to me because their teens are struggling with anxiety or thoughts of depression, sometimes something more serious, but then they're also working with a therapist and it's been a beautiful marriage between them working with a therapist and working with a life coach. Like it seems to like, yeah. In a lot of areas. I think, yeah, yeah. I think the two complement each other. Very I do well. too. Yeah. And then, you know, there's other ways I work with teens who are just struggling with, um, getting organized with, you know, starting their senior year and feeling like oh, feeling overwhelmed with everything that's going on, or they're just about to graduate and they don't know what to do next. So, um, yeah, I have a, I meet with mom and dad or one, you know, any combination of that. And, um, and then meet with their child and we kind of determine, you know, what are the things that you need to work on? And we determine a timeline for that. And so that's what I do right now. So I work one-on-one with the teens. So, and would you like, if you needed to, do you incorporate the parents into the, so the what program? I'm thinking been, of moms who would be interested in yeah. getting help. Do you, would, is that something you consider? Do you include a hundred percent? If a mom came to me and said, my teenager's struggling, they don't want coaching. That is kind of my requirement. If I'm going to coach a teen or a young adult, they have to want to, um, yeah. I'm not going to meet with them just because mom's saying they have to, but if a parent came to me and said, my teenager doesn't necessarily want to, but I want to learn this. Um, so I've done two things. One, if I am already coaching their child, I put them in the program that I built for moms. It's called mentally strong moms. And it's designed for moms who want to raise mentally strong kids. And so if I'm coaching their teen, they have full access to the program that I built last summer. Um, and if there were someone who wanted, who came to me and said, you know, I'm just interested in, in learning these skills so that I can raise my child that way, I would 100% work with them one-on-one. Oh, I love the mentally strong moms. Yeah. Yeah. I really love it. I feel like it's something that we should have, you know, we should offer in schools and I haven't gotten there yet, but someday. Awesome. So is there anything else that you wanted to add that you didn't already share in the podcast for the audience as we wrap up? I don't think so. Other than because it is suicide prevention week, I just want to remind people that there's hope and no matter how bad it feels, I can remember some really intensely dark days when my daughter was struggling. And now I look back and think, I'm glad that I held on to the fact that there's hope because now it's so different. Everything is so different. Yeah. And there was a lot of brain BS going on. Mm-hmm. Right. And then mm-hmm. you finally were able to realize that. That's amazing. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here. And we are going to share all the information about how to get in mm-hmm. touch with you in the show notes. And audience, I hope you learned something useful here today. I'll see you next episode. 
If you like what you heard here today, I would really appreciate it if you would follow the Brain BS podcast. Do a quick review, give me five stars, and share it with everyone you know. You can interact with me and request topics for the podcast on the Brain BS page on Facebook. You can also go to www.thebrainbs.com to sign up for the Brain BS updates and get to know me better. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast and spreading the word. Always remember, the only thing standing between you and a more fulfilling life is understanding your Brain BS and choosing to live consciously.